0: This is Emma Dark, director of Season I and Salient Minus 10, and you're listening to Without Your Head. Right, welcome to the Without Your Head doubleheader. It's our first one ever, and we just watched The Truth Well Out. And I'm joined by writer and director Sam Mason Bell. It's very cool to have you here. It's Yes, yeah, yeah. From Trash Arts. First of all, where did that name come from, Trash Arts?
1: Um, I was like back in 2007, and I remember we were trying to come up with a film company name. I picked it like a Mona Lisa in a trash can. <laughs> That would be a good logo. Yeah, it, it, it sounds more pretentious when you actually picture it, rather than just something in your head, to sort of, like, maybe the
0: Yeah. So where did the idea for The Truth will out? Uh, when did that come about? When did you start uh, creating this?
1: Well, um, me and Jess did Lonely Hearts in uh, 2017, and afterwards, we were trying to work out like, what would be the next kind of um, docu horror that we would do. So... Um, I know Jess was interested in doing something more through witchcraft and she wanted to look into by the background of different kind of reasonings for the characters. So they were they were just be more fully rounded within you know the folklore of witchcraft. Whereas I was kind of like more interested in the um what was happening in the Me Too movement and try and create a character that had some of those sort of there's moral questions and the ethics behind, like, being a powerful person on TV and taking advantage of the vulnerable, and then kind of adding the supernatural twist of, you know, something that, that, what, that you think that you can take control, but like they got their supernatural power, you know, they get their revenge as it were.
0: Yeah. So, uh, what interests you about uh, filming, like, in the docu uh, style, the documentary style? I really
1: like the idea of behind the scenes, yeah. and because you, you see some, especially with documentary stuff, you see like everything being covered, but you're still not seeing the crew's intentions, mm-hmm. and there's always questionable intentions behind why people want to film, if it's like reality TV or like docu TV, there's, there's always that morality question. Mm-hmm. And I quite like playing more morality, and you can do that quite easily with um like Docky horror, and also, We've done a lot of documentary stuff with a comedy show that we did like, that's what we're still doing. Mm-hmm. So I've always liked just that kind of, that sort of style. Plus a lot of our work's improvised. So we, we have like a bullet point of what we're gonna run through, but it, as it's improvised, having it being what I just say, continuously in character, including in documentary style, mm-hmm. it helps us the narrative, um, flowing a bit easier.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that because it does feel like, uh, which actually adds to the movie because then it does feel like it actually is, you know, being documented. That it does have a feel like it's not completely scripted, like they're making things up as they go along, or not, you know, totally making it up, but you know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, how much of it was like scripted? I assume like you have the story out there, but but how much like the actual dialogue scripted? Um,
1: I think the only real dialogue that was scripted is we had the questions, so in the sections where we're asking questions and stuff, there were some sort of questions in mind, but um, the only stuff that was probably scripted was the, the spell. Mm-hmm. So Jess wrote all the spells looking into certain like um bits of pagan witchcraft and different elements like that and just found the right sort of spells. I think she like just changed the wording a little bit so it wasn't too much on the notes from the real spells, whereas everything else is pretty much improvised.
0: Yeah, as a director on a on on something that's being improvised a lot, um, what's like your role there? Do you like you hear stuff that you like, and then maybe ask them to do it again in a different way, or you know, how much are you actually directing? When they're doing?
1: It's a funny thing with it because like cause most of the films that we've done improvisation, we've written ourselves, and we intend to edit, so we have in mind like. The flow of the story. So you spend, a, I personally try to spend quite a bit of time with the actors. They fully get the character and understand why they're doing these things. But when doing the scene, as long as they've got that A to B there, you go, right, so you're going to start at this point, something's going to happen in the middle, and I want to make sure that your end point is fixed. Again, you have some of them, they show what they're going to do, and then after that, you just sort of, yeah, you give them a bit of direction. But it is sort of giving a bit of free fall. and luckily the actors we work with, they're quite familiar with improv, because a lot of things recently we've been doing is quite improv-based. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, do you work with a lot of the same actors on, on your other projects?
1: We do, yeah. Like, a lot of our actors are good friends of ours, so we, we kind of, we try to develop projects for them that are very different to what they've already done with us. So it doesn't feel like it's just working with us every single time. It's like, oh, we're just doing the same thing over there again. They're yeah. actually, getting to um, explore different kind of characters.
0: Mm-hmm. You mentioned you did us. Uh, you do have some comedy stuff too. So like, what what genres interest you as a filmmaker?
1: I don't know. Like, I I, I love love doing a lot of horror kind of stuff. I was really interested in like dark dramas originally, like Michael Haneke sort of things. So but I realised very quickly that. <clears throat> the kind of audience is a little limiting of what I could do with it. I just thought, what well, if I could just get really strong characters and you know, then like, horror scenarios? And comedy, like, generally, I quite like, like, dark comedy. Or, um comedy, I i personally, I really like seeing a downward spiral. And just exploring uh-huh. how that downward spiral is going to happen. If it's going to be the comical, or if it's going to be the character's nature, or what's around them. It's just interesting to see where you take yeah. it.
0: It's a very telling that you like to see that you find comedy people uh, downward spiral and and destruction of themselves. (laughs) It's very funny to you, but uh, but I understand what you're saying. Uh, Jessica Hunt, who you know you wrote and directed this with, and she's in. uh, I've seen that you've worked with her a lot on on other films. Is uh, how did that come about, and uh, how is co writing with someone? Like do you butt heads, or does it it just like a seamless uh, thing?
1: I started working with Jess, um, I think it was like beginning of 2017. So she acted in a short film for me called The End of the Decay. Mm-hmm. And then after that, she had um, done some acting for a film that I was filming. And we just got to get to know each other a bit more about the kind of film that we'd want to do. And she just saw sort us of dive into the deep end by coming on to Lonely Hearts. We so were doing that in August 2017. It was only a couple of months of doing a couple of short films. And she really wanted to just go for it. And because we saw. We had a basis of what kind of story we wanted to go and she's kind of like she's very happy for me to like just put the the kind of the bones together and then we'll just throwing details detail of the aspect that she's more interested in we might even so for lonely hearts we sort of explored that she directed um three of the actors and I from two of the other actors so i like, could focus on like making sure that the docu drama elements work and that that she has their dynamic perfect so it's never a question of like buying heads and ideas because to me it makes more sense to like it's one of those things that it improv. You have to listen to make it work. You mm-hmm. can't just be running with what I'm going to do for You have to listen to see how it's to work. And I find it similar when you're co-directing and because um, we do a lot of production. I do a lot of co-directing with a lot of different people. And it just, yeah, there's a reason why you want to work with that person. It's not just about you doing everything you want, it, it's about them being like a backup.
0: Mm-hmm. So uh, how about the, the cast, because you said you worked with a lot of the people before, but uh, I know uh, Kevin Cordell is like the other main guy in the movie. Had you worked with him a lot before?
1: Yeah, he's, um, he's on a comedy show, The Making Of. So in fact, he plays like a theater director, and The Making Of is a documentary about following deluded filmmakers mm-hmm. and trying to succeed. One of the cats they know is cast played by Kev. And Kev is a very over the top, big personality, very much uh, like a theater loving, very proud of his the theater background. And he really got to bring that across with Thomas LeBoss by making a little bit more of a bigger personality for that nasty underneath. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's joy working with Kev.
0: Yeah. And you said Jess was interested in doing a witchcraft story uh, for this one. Is that something that she's interested in? Like, even outside uh, of the movies?
1: Maybe that's something she's interested in at that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that Jess is a spiritual person. Probably up to her to decide, like, how much she would express as a spiritual person. In other words, I don't know how spiritual she is, but I know she's right, right. a spiritual person.
0: Yeah. Was that something that you did any research into? Or it was it like modern witchcraft?
1: Well, I know that she did, because she was looking she did, yeah. for, um, I can't remember the culture, but there was, it may have been Romanian, and what was it, anyway, she was looking at a particular witch who um, was, as a local profession, doing, like, curses and stuff to make a of cash, and mm-hmm. that's what kind of gave the inspiration behind um, Peter Jones' character, Diane. Mm-hmm. So she she definitely called that detail in the research, I was more about, like, Structure and the nastiness of the behind the scenes, yeah, so it's kind of fun. And, and as you feel like on screen, it works in that sort of dynamic. But it really helped in that way. Where because I was the um, cameraman, I could just make sure that we were directed how we were supposed to be.
0: Yeah.
1: In one, which spent time with um, and getting the characters, right and stuff. Mm-hmm.
0: Now, ha- have you seen the truth well out with an audience besides you know tonight on the uh, in the watch party?
1: Yeah, I saw, um Horror on Sea, um, January 2020. And it was really cool, cause like, because we play around with the moral line, people always don't know who, what characters we're supposed to like, and it, they were like, oh, there's factor, and everyone was deceptive, and there was a good discussion with people afterwards. And there was a point, that, um, I think it was like a couple of hours after the festival, we were all quite drunk. And so people just randomly came up to us, and they were asking about Thomas the boss here, and I like, oh, I don't remember the character thing. So I have had a pretty cool response. Yeah.
0: No, um, when you, well, obviously we can't do the, the actual physical festivals right now. But uh, what what's that experience like? Uh, not only seeing your stuff with an audience, but uh, for me, going to the festivals, a big part of it. Is you know meeting the other filmmakers and, and, and moviegoers. And uh, do you ever you know then collaborate with other people that you met through festivals to work on other projects?
1: Definitely. Like recently, um, with Harmony in particular, we met um, Tommy Russer. He runs Carney films I just really say stranger. And we met him in like twenty nineteen. Got to, yeah, just got to know a bit. He came down and did some acting for my film. Klein. This is my comedy show right here right now. And then we saw him again this year's horror on sea met more of his crew, he met more of our crew down here. So that was really cool. We just started thinking with different ideas. And because of the the very nature of like especially horror on being very much for horror fans as you probably know like um, film with that's out America people are, in, are already in love with the genre when they're there yeah. they want to talk about it they want to see how you've explored it you want to see how they've explored it as a filmmaker. Mm. No, I love
0: it and yeah I like it to yeah. yeah I always tell because I've been to a few of them uh, around the country and like the first one I went to was in Boston and I know what I like about it is it's, it has a built-in community and then when I would go to the one in Buffalo it's the same way and I went to one in. Uh, in texas the same way so i think you know anybody out there who when you can actually go to festivals again you probably have your own little horror community or or your know, independent film community in your area you know you go out there and find it
1: yeah no, totally. I, I always try to like especially when with actors i always say go to a film festival if you want to get that sort of feeling of the response go to a film festival
0: yeah yeah and I'm looking forward to them happening. Uh, speaking of that though, what are you like doing right now during the pandemic? Are you working on anything? Like and, editing um, wise, I guess?
1: Yeah, we're writing a lot. I mean, there's a lot of, because we try to get a lot of productions going, there's a lot of different things with different editing points that we spent a couple of days on, but because we want to write new stuff and we can't continue the productions that we are hoping to this year, we've been trying to work out what creative ideas can we do that work within the limit the limitations of whatever the government's telling us is safe. Yeah. Outside. So we're like rewriting films and we've got some stuff we want to plan to shoot in the summer, but we're just going to see how it goes. Otherwise, there is just hundreds of scripts sitting around that will, you know, when you just start lighting because you're enthusiastic and then the next day it's like, oh, that was a new idea. <laughs> so it's yeah. running around with a lot of new ideas and just seeing, um, if there's any anthology ideas we can do, because it, it sounds kind of silly, but I like the idea of trying to create stuff that can entertain people directly in situation right now, so it's making isolation anthology films where everyone to get involved, mm-hmm. or um, we do poetry and music events once a month, which we now have to do online. It's a whole different kind of visual art to it, and
0: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, it's just trying to, to get people to not think about what's going on there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's why we started these, uh, you know, the, the film festival severed films, uh, last month and it was a bigger success than I expected it to be. And so we decided to do more of them. And, but I, I think it's good for, for everyone. It gives a, uh, creative outlet for people. You know, to keep creating things. And also, like you said, it gets people's minds off what's going on yeah. and you can watch some stuff and uh, with other people too, especially online, uh, since you can't go to the festivals, it's good to, you know, it's fun to watch stuff on your own, but there is something about watching something with other people.
1: You notice that you just see the whole stream of like you know as people are watching things and how they're actually feeling about and connecting yeah. and looking forward to seeing each other's films. It's like being it's like being a
0: festival, weirdly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's actually in a way it's I don't think anything would you know uh, take the place of an actual festival I like that the best, but it is cool because you're watching stuff with people that you probably uh, wouldn't watch with otherwise because they're like in other other parts of the I was just say country, but other parts of the world. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: So uh, I I know you've like you're a pretty prolific like filmmaker. You have a lot of uh, stuff made over the years. Yeah,
1: I mean, like the thing is, I'm poor. I have no like. (laughs) Sorry to laugh at that. Right, right. I just want to make film. Yeah. I kind of work within the limitations I have and work with people who have the same sort of dedication and love. Mm To me, my only job is to try and do this, and because we're trying to find a business in respect to I have to keep trying to make stuff so we can get different positions and try and get the other people in proper jobs, Mm -hmm. out of the job by creating constantly. I don't know, it's just my my, my mentality is to keep creating and also to try and create stuff that you want to create. And there are of course a lot of limitations with having no budget, Mm -hmm. but then I don't know, the right stories people will work with it and you can find the right sort of like locations
0: or yes yeah. i think that's important too because a lot of uh, a lot of people have ideas and then they'll never if you just keep waiting to have like a hundred thousand dollars whatever you'll probably just never ever make anything so yeah. you know it as long as you just actually make something and then maybe that will lead to something else and even if it doesn't uh you're making something and creating something and people can see it and you can make something else after that
1: let say a film career is not just about like the immediacy of right now. It's about how you feel, you know, like 20, 30 years in the, part, in the future mm-hmm. where you're like, I've got a collection of films that I made that people remember and I'm happy with and it's something that I actually wanted to do with my life. Mm-hmm. It's meant this like we have to do what is expected of our life as opposed to what we want to do in life. But I think creativity always allows you to do what you want to do. Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned the anthologies and they've definitely... Uh I mean, they were always big, like, I, I love Creepshow as a kid and stuff, but I think they've become uh, more popular over the last couple of years, uh, like the independent films, because I think for a few different reasons, but uh, one thing, like, it's probably cheaper for each person to make uh, their own short than make a feature, and then also it be, gives it a platform for all these short films uh, to be part of an anthology.
1: This is it. Well, Tony Newton with Best Case is like, that's how, when he got in touch with me and said, oh, I'm doing all these anthologies, back with the 60 Seconds to Die, the first one, about five years ago. And I was like, that's great, because sometimes you do just want to shoot something to just be able to tie another skill. Mm -hmm. It's like a zombie anthology. like, great, I get to make a zombie film, where I'm just doing something specifically for this, I I want to make it a strong enough piece where I get to play around with those sort of tools, or, or this one I can um, play around with some editing thing that I want to do in a feature film, so I'll test out in a short film. So I find it a really good, like, um I suppose like a creative playground to be able to just try different things out. And when we decided to start doing anthologies, it did just really connect with talking to more people in the indie scene. Mm-hmm. And you get some really cool films that like come your way and you get to talk to other filmmakers and just see more of the scenes beyond what's just around you. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I do like doing apologies. I know it's really easy to like oversaturate. Sure. It's too many and everybody else is doing it and you're just yeah. like, Okay, the so <laughs> here and I uh-huh. you still want the love because those filmmakers are still learning and you'd be like, Well when do we start having to think like, about the quality here as opposed mm-hmm. to it? Right. But its they're not high, like, threats, you know. They're, they're going to get a release. And that, that's how I see the anthology. So if someone's interested, yeah. there's a normal audience out there who likes watching the collection of the Yeah. Um, if,
0: for me personally, like, if I see an anthology or even, like, a short uh, festival or something, it's cool because if one really stands out to you, then you go and, like, hey, that was really cool. I'm going to go seek this other person's stuff out and see what else they've done. <laughs> and it really introduces you to their uh, to their work.
1: And you get like almost like a bite size of their style, but really right. sort of you switch on something, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that, that makes me remember that, that
0: that's that right. direction. Mm-hmm. Which uh, sometimes, um like if all the anthologies are very different, sometimes it doesn't necessarily work together because they're so different. And sometimes that's cool in a way, and sometimes it just it makes it obviously that these were all. Things that were made separately and they just put them together just to just to have an anthology. Yeah,
1: that's, that's, like, it's sometimes hard to like, you want it to always be an original creation for that anthology idea. but then sometimes people just won't do that and, and you're just like, wow, we've got to fill the time, I guess, and you know, it's not exactly how you want it to you want it to be original time, but we don't have a budget to offer them. So yeah. I do understand why people are like, sure. Yeah.
0: So, uh, for the truth well out, uh, where did you film this? I assume it's a lot of, like, your own place? Yeah,
1: we literally shot it completely in the place I'm in right now, which is off um, Flat. And um, the guy who played the sound man, Jackson Bachelor, who's part of Trash Arts, he is also my landlord. So he didn't
0: oh, okay, <laughs> that's pretty cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was yeah. just really nice and convenient. And um, he said to Jess, like, you can movies designed for flat how you wish so we completely changed how it usually looks you know we were filming in our flat as it is what mm-hmm. make it look like it definitely had a very different vibe to it or is it at least close to it being a family home as opposed to three guys living in a house kind of thing
0: yeah. yeah and it's good that your landlord is into the movies so he you know he lets you <laughs> film there
1: yeah i mean luckily he is co-partner of crash arts and he 10 years and have only been landlord for four of those, so, mm-hmm.
0: so that was there beforehand. Yeah. Um, for people, uh, we've mentioned Trash Arts a few times. Where can you follow that online? I'm pretty sure if you put Trash Art, you'll probably find it. Yeah, I think it's
1: Trash Arts UK, um, and then on YouTube, it's Trash Arts Portsmouth because we're Portsmouth UK. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And you have a lot of stuff on the YouTube page, too. Uh, I've I started to check some out. I'd like to check out more of it. Yeah, we talk, like the thing
1: is, like, I started to realise more about non-exclusive markets. Like if you've got a short film, it doesn't matter on YouTube, you can go to non-exclusive markets and just modify it. But when we had all these comedy shows, they were a lot of fun. And when we were doing them, um, just got this collection of actors who were, again, are all local to us, who just loved their characters, and are like, well, alright, we'll shoot this every month, alright, we'll try and shoot six to the six months. And they just built the YouTube channel more and more and more. And I have silly, ridiculous aspirations to one day to be close to the trash up being a studio. That's where the end game is. So the YouTube channel to need like a new studio to go. This is what we can offer. This is what we like to do. We do a ton of different things. So it's slowly building. There's a lot of stuff on there, and hopefully, yeah, yeah people get entertained by something.
0: Yeah, and uh, your short that we 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 had in the uh, Severed Films uh, Festival was "Bleed for Me." Was that the name of it?
1: Bleed for Me. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Ah, uh, that was great. It was really high production value, you know, for an uh, independent short film.
1: It was a lot of fun doing that. We did it for um, Robert Lissy's, um quality collection. I am, uh, I am not an addict, um, yeah. and yeah, like because it was all about Dixon, I thought, okay, well, that addiction, like, a uh, masochistic mm-hmm. go. And it was weird because I, I shot it myself, and I did the lighting and I had my ex-girlfriend's flat. And because it was like real big empty kind of room, mm-hmm. you could just light it however you want, it was the service of the It really didn't cost anything, it was literally just using each room in the house and just, you know, darkening it or applying a certain cover to it and just making it not feel like it was all just got in the same place.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I really did that. And I'm glad that you uh were part of the first one and you've uh had the feature film tonight in the uh in the double header.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Yeah, it was very cool. I hope everyone dug it. We're actually filming this, uh, recording this, you know, before uh we actually uh are airing it here. But
1: yeah, I yeah, people I enjoyed it. And then yeah.
0: below. Yeah, yeah. So it was good times. Well I really appreciate you uh, you know, being part of this and talking with me.
1: No worries, man. I'm happy to to you too. Because I've, I've seen without
0: your head like pop up so many times from what web have seen and other people have been like,
1: this is quite cool. Uh, I, guess, uh, yeah, I
0: spam the- it everywhere. But, uh, you know, honestly, if, if you if you do your own thing, like independent film or your own podcast or whatever, uh, part of that is you have to get the, you have to get it out there, even if sometimes you feel like you're being annoying or something. But, uh, you you know, otherwise, you know, it's cool to make stuff, but if no one knows it's out there, you know, what do you doing? Yeah, I
1: completely agree.
0: And I see that a lot though. I see, I don't want to name names, but I know people who actually are really talented and make cool stuff, but, uh, they're not uh, very good about being on social media or just getting the name out there. Then, uh, it kind yeah. of, it kind of falls under the radar. I think it's,
1: it is tricky. Because,
0: like I said, you, have you also to don't want to be annoying too and, and yeah. overdo it, you know? Yeah. You
1: don't want to, have- you almost have to like equate well, how many times can I send you group? And I want to do it daily, so maybe if I do like twice a week, but that's <laughs> right. not going to be too annoying. Make sure there's something that's offering to the group and not just me bugging like myself. Mm-hmm. It's yeah,
0: it's mindset. Yeah, yeah. Then it's another like, am I just putting this out in triplicate, the same exact thing on my Facebook, <laughs> my Twitter, my Instagram? And uh, do people need to read the same thing three or four times? You know,
1: yeah,
0: <laughs> but yeah. But yeah, it's a it's a weird balance. But yeah, I uh, this is cool. And we we'll should do it again sometime? You yeah, um, podcast. i awesome. All
1: right.
0: Very good. Thank you.